Hello, everyone, and welcome to the LifeSphere podcast. My name is Kathy Bruner, and I am excited today to have Ina Sargent as my guest today, Senior Vice President at Colliers International. Ina has over 25 years of commercial real estate experience and has built a solid foundation of corporate clients through her landlord representation, tenant representation, and advisory service assignments, focusing on women-owned and women-led businesses and the life sciences industry. In addition to her leasing experience representing large portfolios of office buildings, Ina has been assisting local and national tenants with their real estate needs and is specialized in advising women business leaders with their commercial decisions, commercial real decisions and strategies. Prior to joining Colliers, Ina spent five years at Stockton Real Estate Advisors representing both landlords and tenants. Prior to joining Stockton, she provided in-house leasing and marketing experience for major private and public landlords, including Buccini Poland Group, Equity Office, and Brandywine Real Estate Trust. Ina is an active member in the Forum of Executive Women, serving on the Programming Committee, a board member of the Lower Marion Historical Architectural Review Board, and she is secretary for her local homeschool association. Ina, welcome today. We're so glad to have you. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Kathy. Very exciting. So um, there's a lot of buzz, you know, today across a lot of publications and media talking about how the life sciences real estate, uh, I'm going to call it industry, in the greater Philadelphia is, I'm going to use the quote unquote, booming. So it's very exciting to see this kind of of coverage and um, kind of the buzz that's behind all that. But um, one thing I wonder, because you do have so much background in this industry and, and, and area, is it in a particular area? So, for example, is it just lab space? Is it R&D space? Are we talking about manufacturing space? Is it flex or office space? So just trying to get a sense of where where is the focus or where is where is the majority of this development happening? Well, you know, University City has sort of been ground zero for life sciences. And if you look at the real estate stats, square footage of space, space that's available, that's where we have the the probably the most demand and the least amount of supply. Um, and that's, you know, across all all of the sectors, um, the lab. Um, the research, and not not so much the manufacturing, just because of the amount of space that's needed on the the CGMP side. So, and and then the demand sort of flows out from there. So we've had landlords in the center city of Philadelphia converting their buildings or floors of their buildings to make life science space, um, and then it's it's flowed out from there. And you know, so much of it is where where is the talent, where is the workforce. And, you know, where can they get the space and creating those ecosystems, which, you know, University City has done so successfully in terms of the amenity base, um, being near the research institution, you know, checking all the boxes of what life science companies would be looking for. So it's 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 a mixed bag, I think, in answer to your question. And it's just going to kind of populate different sectors um, as the need arises. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I think that um, many of the articles captured was a greater Philadelphia area growth, not specifically to just, say, the downtown or the university city area. 
Um, in the five county area, and some would call it the 27 counties if you include the greater, greater Philadelphia area. Um, but maybe in the five county area, I, I know, for example, there's growth in King of Prussia. There's existing facilities that are planning to add space up in the Doylestown area with the PA Biotechnology Center. In Springhouse, they've got uh, the converted Roman Haas uh, facility and some other places. So I, I think in King of Prussia is a really good example because that area is truly booming. Um, I think that we're seeing it beyond those those areas. Um, is that something that you uh, see as well? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, King of Prussia, really, when you look at kind of the total, if you look at the life science real estate as a whole, you've got about nine and a half million square feet that's considered life science space across those various sectors. And King of Prussia, you know, is 2.5 million of that. So really the biggest concentration, again, some of it is just um, the, 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 the constraints that you have. Um, you know, University City, you've got 1.8 million square feet and growing, um, but you're limited by the availability of space there. So, you know, we're starting to see Exton, Westchester area, mm -hmm. you know, Malvern, Exton in particular, there's about, uh, you know, 700,000 square feet of life science space there today with the uh, landlords converting existing flex product into life science product. And there's a nice, a nice cluster forming there and Horsham, Willow Grove as well. Um, Mayanex built their facility right up in Horsham. Brandywine sold them some, some, some land and they built a CGMP facility there. And there's a couple additional buildings that Brandywine owns across the street that, you know, we're looking to convert those into life science buildings as well to create kind of that ecosystem within that area. So, yeah, yeah you, you definitely do see it spreading out and spreading into other pockets. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe one of the things that um, some people might wonder, um, some of the terms are in square foot, you know, others are in um, acres or or so. So when they measure things, so, for example, the Navy Yard, they're actually really expanding along where the old officers quarters along the river there. And so I think the difference some folks might look for in clarification is are you, when you talk square feet, you can be talking vertical and you can be talking horizontal. But when you're talking about the footprint of the real estate itself, you might be talking more in the square in the acres or, or whatever that is. So, um, yeah. And I, I mean, it really depends. Like for a CGMP facility, you, you sometimes do look at that more as an acreage play because of the amount of space that you need. Your, your, your footprint is larger as opposed to going vertical, as you said. I don't know, as a as a commercial real estate person, I think of everything in square footage. An acre is 43,560 square feet, in case you were wondering. There you go. I would not know that. <laughs> yeah. I think anybody who's ever sat for their real estate license knows that little fact. So it's kind of funny. But that's just, just to give it some perspective. Yeah, yeah that's hilarious. So I think um, also one of the things that you brought up there is um, that there's a lot uh, to be said for kind of co-locating and, and this near, um, you know, you mentioned amenities, but also from a collaboration perspective, access to the, the university uh, community uh, for um, R&D and all kinds of other things. You know, there's many spin-outs uh, that have occurred out of the university area in greater Philadelphia. Um, one of the things uh, that requires 
uh, or that's required, you know, in order for these things to grow and expand is is venture capital and funding. Um, and one thing uh, in some information that I've read recently is that there's nearly one billion dollars uh, estimated to have been invested in the greater Philadelphia area. And, um, you know, I know that when you think of life sciences and conversation, I don't think top of mind is let's talk real estate. Um, so um, I think the conversation tends to quickly shift to science or something like that. So I wonder if you could just talk a little bit. You've been here working in this uh, industry for a pretty long time. So you've got a lot of experience. And, and I wonder if you could talk a little bit about, you know, how does a person who's in your kind of area of the of the ecosystem see how they contribute um you know talk about maybe some of these different things that that you find that you know quote unquote get you out of bed every day well i you know i think it's interesting what you just said real estate isn't top of mind and and it's that way for a lot of businesses so there's you know not just life sciences there's similarities kind of across various industries and, you know, just Kathy, you understand, right? You own a business, you're running your business, you've got a million things going on and, you know, you're not you're not a, a real estate geek like myself. So it gets me out of bed every morning. So I, I love getting in and meeting with companies early on before they even know they have a real estate need. Like, like, let's get to know each other. Right. Let's strategize. And, and you know, if you're if you're going to need funding and if you're going to look at what your pipeline is and how you're going to develop it and where are your people coming from like let's 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 create that strategy and that's that's the fun part for me for what I do mm -hmm. because I feel I feel like I'm helping people I do oh, yeah. and I I enjoy that that puzzle piece right trying to trying to pull it all together and there's so much more to think about than just okay we need a building and I think I want to be in king of prussia but but why and what's going to bring your people there? And it's it's also a chance for companies to create a culture and to create their brand. Your your building can reflect that. So if you kind of leave that decision to the last minute, then it's a, it's a scramble, right? Like you know, different than if you're buying your house, you mm -hmm. you want the house to reflect what you want and how you want to live. And if you have you know five days to find a new house, you're really not going to be able to get what you want. So to, to get in there early, and especially with the limited amount of supply, you know, the supply and demand equilibrium on the life science spaces is is out of whack. Okay. Um, demand right. is higher than supply, unlike, you know, the traditional commercial office. It's coming a little closer together as things have slowed down on the life science side. Um, but it's it's still out of whack. So there's and and the time to build these projects. Um, particularly if you're doing a ground up development, you're talking years. Um, right. So it's it's best to get in early and start thinking about not only what you need and you know where your employees are coming from, but but the culture and the branding and what you want it to look like and what's important to you as a company. And that really helps inform that decision. And that's you know that's where I like to add value and that's where I like to get in early on and have that strategy discussion before real estate's even a thing on your yeah. mind. I think one thing too, maybe people do not realize the life sciences space and the requirements and the design are many 
are much different than requirements, say, for office space. And so maybe you could talk, I know you mentioned earlier CGMP. Um, I don't know necessarily if everyone's aware of the differences and some of them are significant, air handling, power, water, like. All of those things. I mean, I think, again, it's going to differ for different specific uses, types of lab, right? Whether you need a wet lab, what kind of fumigation you need. But all of that building infrastructure either has to be existing legacy infrastructure that can be reused or it has to be recreated. So, you know, the the air shafts that handle the ventilation in a traditional building are not necessarily what you need if you're doing a lab or manufacturing, right? So that all has to be sort of customized um, depending, again, on the type of use. Your water distribution has to have a certain circumference in your pipe, right, as opposed to a traditional office building. So there's those variances. There's um, the, the fresh air intake. There's even ceiling height because of the capability of what you need for in the ceiling for ventilation, for your equipment and things like that. So um, floor loading certainly is going to be different than in a traditional office building. So there's sort of a checklist of what you need to go through. And while, you know, all the life science folks know that they need these things, they might not have it down to kind of the, the specific in order to create a match with a building. And right. there's a lot of building owners too, you know, have an empty building. They say, oh, we'll make a life science building, but it's not, it's not going to work. Um, mm-hmm. It's got to be, it's got to be pretty specific or they have to be well capitalized enough to make that conversion and to add mm-hmm. the infrastructure that's needed. So it's not an easy like, oh, this yesterday, it was a law office, but we can make it lab tomorrow. <laughs> no, right. it's not going to work. Got a bioreactor, we'll just put it in the elevator. Right. Sure, sure, why not? <laughs> Um, and, and I think it's interesting to kind of capture that because in some cases it can add to the expense of your plan, right? And we did talk a little earlier about that significant investment from venture capital that we are seeing, and that's providing expansion capabilities. But even just footprint and square footage, can it can impact all of that, like you mentioned, with air handling. And I think one of the things that positions uh, the greater Philadelphia area well um, is that the infrastructure for the most part is sufficient and can handle the power requirements, you know, the utility, the water, um, even the transportation requirements are are pretty well in place. We've got, again, like I mentioned, the Navy Yard, we've got the rail systems, um, and and that's connecting beyond the, the, the center city uh Navy Yard area. So it, it does create, um, and when we talk life sciences, again, sometimes people are focused on the science parts of the companies that we're talking about, but the supply chain also requires uh, different types of facilities, depending on what type of supplier you are. You could be a gas supplier, you could be a, 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 a product um, like sugar and all the different things that goes into pills and powders yeah. and liquids. and um, yeah, the logistics of all of that and, you know, the loading requirements and, you know, that's a whole exactly. different animal that you're looking at for, for exactly. buildings. Exactly. So. And then the storage that you might need to warehouse. Um, and, and, whether it's temperature controlled and, you know, how, how humidity controlled and how intense that is. Yeah. Yep. 
And there are some things that are coming in. And I mean, we talked about the five county area, but, you know, you can go up as far as Lehigh Valley and the Bethlehem area. Absolutely. where You've got large, large uh, suppliers uh, up there um, that are that contribute to the to the ecosystem. I think one thing that um, has come up uh, in a lot of conversations is this concept of Philadelphia and, and this branding of Silicon Valley. A lot of it in the area of the university uh, city area, but this is kind of the concept of of using more data, more um, technology to get the patient therapies to the patient. And I think one of the the things that people might not think of in real estate, and I know it's it's in more of the systems in the building and stuff like that. But there are a lot of devices now being kind of implemented in the building architecture and the systems monitoring and control devices, like you said, cold storage, those all kinds of things. So I think that's another thing that when we talk about what are the requirements for these facilities that may add to some of the complexity. And that's where a person like you kind of has that background. You're going to think of all those kinds of things. And then, you know, like you said, takes it off the plate of the folks that are, you know, focusing on something differently. Right. That's the um, idea. Let you focus on your business. And I think it's it's all of that. And also just having the relationships, right? Like in, and knowing the the landlords who own these buildings, if you're looking to lease versus purchase, which is a whole different conversation. Right. But if you're, you're you've got a space that you need to lease and you want to know that you've got a landlord who can it's an it's an expensive investment for the landlords it's not all going to be necessarily pushed back onto the company you know mm-hmm. they've they've got to use you know the landlords wanted them to use their capital to run their business so they can be successful and the landlords right. know they're going to have to make a certain level of investment to attract these companies and so you need a landlord who's willing to do it and willing to do it right you know the the return on that is lab space, life science space achieves higher rental rates than the traditional office space. So there's some reward to that investment, but there's a lot that has to go into that formula. Mm-hmm. And so I want to pick up another kind of point that you brought up about the ecosystem and amenities. So with a lot of this development comes the consideration of, um, you know, many life sciences folks work at their facility location, not from home. And so attracting talent, part of that conversation is, you know, what does the ecosystem that the talent is either coming to or living in? I I know that there's a lot of new design ideas around, you know, what does the um, what does the ecosystem around the facility that they may work in look like? So maybe you can just share a little bit about you know, what might be coming as as people look into the future of of how they design um, and look for actually locations, you know, for for an employer, it's important um, to attract talent. And one consideration is the location from where they're going to work. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, that's kind of what's led to the more successful office projects, you know, even during mm-hmm. COVID and the downturn and, there, you know, companies still needed to work. And there was a flight to quality that we really saw. So those landlords that invested in their buildings and created an amenity package that was going to be appealing are, are the buildings that maintained and, you know, were successful and actually leasing up even during COVID. And, you know, it's 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 
funny all the stuff you're seeing now there's there's landlords who are doing sort of wellness rooms where they have massage therapists coming Mm -hmm. Um, there's yoga rooms and meditation rooms that are going in all the things that you know you want to give your employees a break you want them to be able to step away from whatever the task at hand is and and refresh themselves so Mm -hmm. any kind of outdoor amenity being able to bring outdoor space in for people um convenience to to restaurants and things like that, you know, the ex, the external amenities. But I think within the building, we're seeing all kinds of really interesting amenities being added. You know, the Peloton gyms are very popular. Um, anything that really adds to the health and wellness, some food service, having really cool collaboration areas and conference rooms for employees to come and gather, um, just, to, just to give a sense of community. So you were talking about the way that collaboration and how these amenities within the facilities are are really a key attraction point for a tenant to then go out and attract their workforce. I wonder, though, something I've heard, and it's new in my sort of understanding in these sort of ecosystems, um, they're adding um, living space. They're adding other locations. So now they've got large shopping areas that maybe are walkable, but then they've got um, a townhome or a, or a condo. So they're kind of making the whole thing, you know, walkable almost, even exactly. in areas that are not in the city. Yeah, those urban suburban areas. I mean, Concha Hawkins done really well with that because of the access to public transportation. Um, you know, you've got buildings that are either newer or have refurbished and invested in those amenities. You've got a downtown that's walkable with numerous restaurants and services. And that's really led to that submarket, you know, from from the office perspective, being very successful. Um, and, I, you know, I think it's interesting. I was just reading a story about Salesforce. And they have the big Salesforce, beautiful Salesforce Tower in downtown San Francisco. They bought a ranch earlier this year. Salesforce did. Um, I forget where in California it is, but they bought a ranch to create sort of a retreat for their employees because a lot of people weren't coming back to the urban environments. People who were, you know, working from home and they're trying to get them in and they're trying to give them something really cool. And they bought this beautiful ranch where they have all these amenities and collaboration spaces with the idea of come here and gather, you know, kind of like what you were just saying. So Mm -hmm. just trying to find creative ways to make employees happy to yeah. be in their space and do what they're doing. And I think that's that's one of the ways, that's what's going to bring people back to the office who don't necessarily have to be in the office. Mm-hmm. And, We're and social people, creatures by nature in theory. Yeah. So, you know, I think ultimately that 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 will that will turn back around. Um, but right yeah. now it's there's a little there's a little bit of pushback. Mm-hmm. And and I do think that um, people work hard. And and I think these sort of mental breaks, physical breaks, you know, kind of a recharging, it's important. And, and I think employers really see that as adding value to their employee and employees see that as something that the employers considered and thought about in their best interest, if you will. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's interesting, as we said at the top of the conversation, who would think when you think life sciences that real estate is such a key and critical component, but it really is. Um, you know, the whole idea in the life sciences is to get better patient outcomes to the patient. We can't just make them because um, if we can't get them to the patient, then they're not really impactful. And 
having the correct facilities, having the correct facilities for the workforce and all these kind of things. Or I would say you called it. Um, you pointed out that it's uh, the flight to quality, which I couldn't agree more. Quality is 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 word one in many cases for life sciences. Um, and this is just one more area where I think they can point to it. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So um, what so I think we combined a little bit about what do we see in the future and, and, and what's kind of the next big thing. I wonder um, maybe just kind of like for fun, um, if there's maybe something, you know, you talked about um, a lot of things that your uh, your work experience has contributed to and, you know, kind of the things that we talked about that you do kind of outside of work. But maybe there's something fun or interesting that, you know, maybe the folks listening or even friends of yours may not necessarily know colleagues or something like that. A couple of fun facts. Let's see. Well, I think most people who know me pretty well know this fun fact, but I think it's kind of interesting um, for those who don't know me that well is I um, I adopted my son from Kazakhstan as an only parent. So my son, Leo, was born in Kazakhstan and I actually lived there for five weeks as part of the adoption process. Wow. I learned a little bit of Russian while I was there. So that's um, wow. That's kind of unique. Yeah, it was very a very cool. it was a very unique and amazing experience. Um, and so what part what part of the, the country would that be from our reference point? Is it the western side closer or eastern side? He was central? His, it's the a town, huge country. It's a huge country. It's five yeah. times the size of Texas. Um, yeah. So, you know, you border Russia and China on, you know, China's to the right as really the map. Okay. <laughs> um, Russia to the left and the north. Um, and then mm-hmm. to the south is Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was born in the southern part of the country, kind of not far from the border with uh, Kyrgyzstan and Uzbekistan. How cool is that? Shimkent was the name of the town. It's the third largest city in Kazakhstan. Very interesting. That's super it was, cool. It, yeah, it was, it was quite a journey, but well, well certainly well worth it. And um, mm-hmm. just an interesting, interesting experience that kind of started uh, our, my son and my life together, which is a pretty cool start. Um, and I guess, have you been back or? No. And no. how old's your son? Just remind me, I forgot. He will be 14 next month. What? Yeah, so he was nine months when uh, we came home together. You have so. the fun times coming now. The oh, my years. gosh. Yeah, <laughs> he's now taller than me. Not that, you know, not that that's much to write home about. I'm not super tall, but um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like every morning he wakes up and he's just a little taller and his voice is a little deeper. but he's he's a riot so you know other than that I'm a hockey mom so I don't really have a whole lot of spare time to do much of anything but I am trying to relearn guitar I played when I was a kid and I got away from it and then during the pandemic I did some online like group lessons and I I'm trying to stick with it and find the time for that yeah that's so I'm working on like one song I'm like if I can master a song then I can start to branch out a little bit. So maybe maybe next podcast I'll be able to play that. I was going to say, but right now I know. <laughs> so that's what we'll do. We'll have you come back, and it'll just be a guitar solo. <laughs> Acoustic guitar solo. That should lose pretty much every viewer you had. <laughs> so much fun. Well, Ina, I just want to say what a great afternoon conversation that we've had today. We covered a lot of topics. I think that. Um, you've really brought to light a lot of the different things that 
um, we may not necessarily always think about when we think about life sciences and how important the real estate component is. Um, I want to thank you for being on the LifeSphere podcast today, and I'm looking forward to continuing our conversation in the future. Thanks so much. Likewise. Thank you, Kathy. Great questions. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode of LifeSphere, where we talk with leaders in the life science industry about what inspires them and how we all can work together because the patient is waiting. Please find us on Spotify, Pandora, and iHeartRadio. Like, subscribe, and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we look forward to joining you on the next episode.